0: to the birdhouse. I'm your host, Riley, and I am sitting here with my cousin and friend, Sarah. Um, she is a clinically licensed therapist, and she has her bachelor and master's in social work. And we're kind of just going to talk about the general theme of this podcast, which is growing up and growing a business, because she was in grad school about the same time. Yep. Same age I am right now. Yes. So Yes. yes welcome. Hi. Thank you for coming. Of I'm sorry you're here. I'm yeah. so excited. Me too. Yeah. So I guess we'll just do you just wanna jump right in? Yeah. Okay, so me. we've got some of our rapid fire questions that are definitely not gonna be rapid fire because, you know, <laughs> you know how we go with that. <laughs> so how did your hometown influence the way you behave today?
1: I feel like that's that's a loaded, a loaded question.
0: What's the, the top top?
1: Yeah. One? I mean the first thing I think of when i when you ask me that question is that my hometown precedes me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I went to college in Southern Virginia, and very much like Nova, as we call it up here, has a reputation of being stuck up and rich and just, like, hoity-toity. However, like, my family was not rich (laughs) growing up. But the norm was very much to, like, get a Mercedes for your 16th birthday or even, like, a (laughs) brand-new Toyota. Um, And I got my grandpa's, I think, 2004 Nissan Sentra with, like, no bells and whistles. Like, it still had, like, rolling the windows down, um, which I don't even think, like, most – kids know what that is today. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I definitely still was grounded in a lot of ways, but I definitely think that there was probably a a pressure to keep up with everyone. But I think that everyone kind of feels that way at some point. I'm definitely very grateful to have grown up in this area. I think the public schools here are phenomenal and prepared me well for college and just like I would say life skills, but that's not true. Um, but educational <laughs> to get over that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, I think it's also made me want the life I see my 60-year-old parents have. Mm-hmm. I want it now. Yeah. Um, and that's not realistic. I was
0: talking with yeah. Aunt Diane yesterday about, I can't wait to be retired. I'm going to be so good at it. Yeah. I just love bopping around and going to clubs. And stuff. Yeah. I
1: mean, I... <laughs> have said since I started working that like I'm not meant to work full time yeah. <laughs> for very long or really at any point so as soon as my husband can retire me mm-hmm. climbing the ladder in IT I'm gonna quit <laughs> but I'd like volunteer I'd still be like yeah. a productive member yeah. of society um it would just be what I want what I want
0: I think most people are like built to work Forty-hour weeks for the rest of your life. That's not me. I mean, that sounds like ass. No,
1: <laughs> and I, I love my job and I love what I do and I think that I'm good at what I do. Yeah. because of who I am as a person. Yeah. But I can feel fulfilled in other yeah. ways too. Yeah. With in that same way. Um, who knows what will happen? Because yeah. it's very expensive to live here, as yeah. you know. So I'll be working till I'm sixty. I'm sure.
0: I know a small town living. Nah. That's, I can't do that now. Yeah, no. Okay, how has your vision of success changed since you were 20 versus now?
1: I am and was a perfectionist. I would say at 20, I just, I wanted to be the best. I had to be the best. And if somebody was better than me or I perceived that they were better than me, Which, like, wanting to be the best and also, like, very much having imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. um, Or they're trying to call it imposter phenomenon now. Because syndrome is kind of, like, makes it a negative thing. Is a very interesting place to be. Like, I have Mm -hmm. to be the best. But, like, I also think that everyone's going to be better than me. (laughs) Um, And I think I just saw myself as, like, I have to keep going and getting these certifications and getting these things. And climbing the ladder and supervising. And now, I think at 33, I feel like there are other things that I, I'm comfortable where I am and do my best for people, which might look different than someone else's best. And I think I have more of just like an awareness of like, we're all different. And just because I think something different than someone else doesn't mean I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also would say like, I have no desire to climb the ladder yeah. now. <laughs> um, like I want to be good and I want to keep up with like my area of expertise, and I want to continue growing, but, like, the desire to, like, be a supervisor, or, like, be some, like, published author or speaker is, like, non-existent anymore. I also think I just feel like success is just feeling fulfilled, um, and whereas before I think I probably equated it to, like, more tangible kind of things, Mm -hmm. um, so I've probably relaxed a little bit on what I think my definition of success
0: is yeah. yeah that's good I don't think anybody has it in them to keep no um, that same like drive and
1: anxiety yeah. about life as yeah. you do when you're 20 yeah I think some people do and I think I don't understand those people but I know them oh take that out that was, that, <laughs> that was that thing um I think yeah I think at 20 you also just kind of think you know everything mm-hmm. and you think so you think what you think is just like you know it. You're yeah. right. Um, you are not. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I love not knowing things. Mm-mm, that doesn't work well for me.
0: I I've I used to not. Now I do. Why? Like not knowing. Things. Yeah. Why do you love that? Um. I guess I worded that poorly. I like learning things. Oh yeah yeah yeah.
1: <laughs> I would be. I was on a first date once, and he asked me. If I could have any job in the world and, like, money didn't matter, like, I could be paid a million dollars a year or whatever to do any job in the world. I wouldn't work. I, <laughs> I said I would be a student because I do like learning. Oh, yeah. And I like learning about, like, random things. Mm-hmm. Like, I also always say, like, if I wasn't a clinician, I would be, like, something in history because I'm, like, so fascinated with history. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that, actually. I think no. people would be su- – people we know would be surprised to hear me say that. Mm-hmm. Where are we going with that? Oh yeah, so I would be a learner. Yeah, I yeah. like to learn things too. Yeah, um, but I definitely like to know know what's gonna happen. Oh you know, no, I love knowing things, yeah.
0: and I think being able to see how something is gonna unravel. Yes. and know yes how you know how think when you when you see something happen or somebody say something and you're like I know how this is gonna end. Yeah, red flags yes. essentially. Yes, but also I love when. I say something and somebody is like, "What?" and they're like, "Wait, let me talk to you about this." And then I'm like, "That was the dumbest thing that's ever come out of my mouth, and now I understand why." And having that like like, "Oh, I get it now." Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I'm an idiot, but I get it. Yeah. You know, and that's something that was definitely I mean, I still get a stomach ache when people are like, "Excuse me." <laughs> like, <laughs> "Sorry." <laughs> you know, but yeah. I mean, my opinions constantly change. Yeah. And something I say three seconds ago could be completely different than what I believe now based on my experiences with people. Yeah. You know, so I really like being on the receiving end of that too. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, last rapid fire. (laughs) What's one thing no one on this podcast knows about you? I really like history. Yeah. (laughs) No. Um,
1: (laughs) Gosh, I would say the older I get, the more of like, an introvert I become. So... I think I knew that, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe Definitely the listeners don't, because you know our family's going to listen to this. Yeah. Like yesterday, we were at a, one of Quinn's basketball games, and the other coach was just, like, screaming. And it wasn't like he was being mean, but he was just loud mm-hmm. the entire time. Mm-hmm. And when we left, I told my husband, I was like, I am literally so overstimulated. Like, yeah. we, I can't handle anything else right yeah. now. And it was just because he was like talking the whole time I guess that would play into like I have ADHD mm-hmm. um which I don't know that anyone really knows because I just got diagnosed with it um but if you look back at the way ADHD presents in women and how I've been yeah my whole life um it makes sense so, <laughs> so that's your thing I have ADHD Yes, <laughs> that or history <laughs> I mean I don't know I'm trying to think I because I'm I'm pretty open book most mm-hmm. of the time
0: I didn't know you had ADHD you didn't but if you told me that I'd be like yeah yeah, be like, yeah, of course. Really? I mean, no, I don't think about that a lot, but I'd be like, yeah, I believe you. <laughs> yeah, no,
1: well, and it's, it's 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 like, I think people think of ADHD as this like super hyper impulsive, can't sit still, mm-hmm. and that's like one type. Mm-hmm. But there's also like inattentive type. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you just like look at the symptoms, actually TikTok is what made me think maybe I have this. And it took a while for me to, like finally bring it up with the doctor. Because I was embarrassed. I'm like, TikTok makes makes me think I have ADHD.
0: That's actually... I was talking to my mom about that. Because she was um, having a conversation with one of like the telehealth care um, mm-hmm. therapists down at um, Virginia Tech where she works. Yeah, And she was like, the top two things that I have students come in to talk to me about are they think they have ADHD and they have mild depression. Mm-hmm. And those are the two ones, which is extremely treatable they usually don't have adhd they're just a little bit depressed and stressed yeah. out but that's good to know that like,
1: yeah well and adhd and depression are also co-occurring yeah and they have overlapping symptoms
0: why does depression have to be co-occurring with fucking everything it's so annoying it is i think <laughs> i think she's there all i think the because time. probably
1: when you're dealing with these other things it yeah. like leads to a little sprinkling yeah. of depression i'm also convinced now that like everybody i know has adhd yeah um <laughs> You know, and like,
0: right? That's not but true. I but I think it's like, it's like less than ten percent of the population actually has ADHD. Yeah, but
1: it's very like
0: two percent like or
1: something. It's such a broad thing. Like right. autism is like such a broad thing. Yeah, and you see these like different like like literally a spectrum, right? Uh-huh. But yeah, and then I saw this video on TikTok the other day, and it was like. Someone walking and like bumping into things randomly, mm-hmm. um, and like that being a symptom of ADHD, really, uh huh. And I like didn't know that, but then, that like, is so because funny. there's so much that goes into it, and like, I also bump into things, like, that, I
0: walk into door frames all the time, yeah, and I see myself doing it, and I'm like, shit, 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 yeah. shit, shit, and I can't like.
1: I don't even see myself doing it. It's like, I just become like unaware or like I'll bump into the table when there's like really no reason to be doing <laughs> yeah. that. Um, but it's just, again, like I think that's just indicative of it's like this large umbrella and like everyone doesn't have that Yeah, But kinda of
0: layers into the object permanence yeah. part of ADHD too. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that Maybe. would make sense if yeah. you're bumping into things, your yeah. brain isn't remembering that it's there like yeah. automatically. Yeah.
1: And I don't do it like all the time. Yeah. Like I've, definitely, definitely bruised myself
0: yeah. doing it. Um, so, mm. it's, I mean... There's a lot of ADHD in this apartment, too, so... But there's a lot of bumping <laughs> going around between the three of us. Yeah. That is so funny. I, I like the idea of going, like, you going up to your therapist and being like, I think I have ADHD. She's like, why? And you're like, well, I just keep bumping into things. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> I
1: mean, she was really, like, great about it. Yeah. I did not lead with that being one of the symptoms. Right. But, like, (laughs) just, like, I mean, I would encourage anyone to just, like, go look at ADHD Mm -hmm. presentation in women, especially adult women. Yeah. A lot of adult women that are very successful have ADHD. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's just a fascinating neurodivergence and, like, the brain wiring. It's just, like, very fascinating. Do you
0: think you know anybody who's neurotypical?
1: Probably not.
0: I think my mom is pretty close. You think? Yeah.
1: What makes what about her? What separates her from the rest of the people you know that makes you think she's neurotypical?
0: Um, she doesn't have sensory issues.
1: Oh yeah, which no, I have is a, a lot big of those ones. ones. Mm-hmm.
0: Me and Tommy both have whole sensory issues.
1: Uh, yeah, you probably have sensory issues that you don't even realize are sensory issues because the sensory system is so broad. Yeah, and there's like. It's not just, like, your five senses. It's, like, proprioceptive and vestibular, which is, like, just, like, awareness of your body in space mm-hmm. and how different things, like, touch feel to you.
0: Yeah. One yeah. time somebody was, in, when I was in sixth grade, she had a marshmallow and it was kind of dried out. Ew. And she was rubbing it on her hand that was also kind of dry. And the sound that it made, I still, it still rings in my head to this day. That's terrible. It was the worst thing I've ever heard. That's that
1: sounds awful Awful. and also like disgusting yeah like the thought of my hands being like sticky from that
0: it was just just, yeah. it's making my ears hurt a little bit to be honest oh let's move on yeah the things that tommy brings this up a lot because it's so funny um i think it was a tiktok or a tweet or something and it said when your therapist asks you um when you're trying to figure out if you have sensory issues and your therapist asks you if you have a problem with socks yeah. and then you say back to them, no, because I have a system. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Yeah. yup." Yeah. I would wear all my clothes inside out as a child because the seams would drive me crazy.
1: I, I would do the same thing. I would only wear these like, Black little Mary Jane shoes, yeah. and thankfully they had a rubber bottom, so I could wear them during PE class because you had to have rubber bottom <laughs> shoes. And I would—I love you
0: in PE class wearing Mary Jane's. Oh yeah, That's I mean so it was funny. like a little out
1: of control. Mm-hmm. And then I would also want my shoes tied like super super tight to the point where like at the end of the day there was like red marks <gasps> on my foot. Oh, no. Um, and then I would I would not wear jeans for a period of time. I only would wear like leggings yeah. or like soft pants and we went camping with my dad and like some other people and I um fell in the creek it was just like a, a shallow creek and we were like rock hopping and you know whatever but I needed to change my pants but somehow someone didn't pack me another pair of like soft no. pants it was only jeans so like I don't know how I pants
0: sh- or jeans yeah
1: and I think I like sat in the tent like
0: for I'm a panicking. long time
1: refusing to come <laughs> out I'm sure I eventually <laughs> did but like it was um
0: Analysis paralysis. Yes, there you go. Analysis paralysis. Like, what's worse? Yeah. Um, Oh, listeners. I love saying that. Oh, listeners. Listeners. Which right now is probably just family (laughs) and my three friends. (laughs) Our mom. Yeah, exactly. The the, um, gaggle of aunts. (laughs) But we have a... We're not filming this episode because with Sarah's job being a little bit more anonymous here. But... We have a cute little chalkboard I got with some funky little markers. And whenever a topic is brought up or somebody says something that I especially like, it's going on the chalkboard. And then future interviewees that I bring on, we can talk about something that jumps out at them.
1: Yeah, my friend Christine has a phrase for analysis paralysis, and it's called tea burying tea berry tea burying and it's because whenever she has to make a decision if she feels like pressure to make the decision she always ends up picking the wrong thing so like <laughs> I think tea burying came from she was at like an ice cream place and she couldn't make a decision so she just picked when it was her turn tea berry and she was like why did I pick like the, <laughs> why did I do that so now like whenever we like like, we're going out to eat, and mm-hmm. like, we, you know, we always have to look at the menu before because, like, oh, yeah, that's hello, yeah. anxiety. And I just have to, like, point it out because I'm also a really picky eater, which is also an ADHD thing. Mm-hmm. But we always, like, reference that, like, we're afraid we're going to tea bury on our decision. Or, like, if we, you know, after, if we weren't, like, happy with something or, like, we didn't like our food, we'll be like, yeah, I definitely tea buried on that. So I'm going to start saying that. And yeah. That. That yeah. So good. I'll have to ask her. She'd be a great one to actually ha- come on. Your That'd podcast. be fun. She'd do it. An excellent, excellent um speech pathologist with Mm. she specializes in um neurocognitive and like brain stuff and like post-COVID brain and like TBI. I wanna
0: talk to her. Yeah, she's awesome. I've had COVID, I've had TBIs.
1: Yeah, she's oh yeah. I forgot about you. I always, whenever I see a kid without a helmet, I tell them, them you better put your helmet on. And one of them was Quinn's friend, who's not my favorite friend of his. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, "You, where's your helmet? And he was like, it's at home. And I was like, you know you should be wearing it. And he goes, I'm going to go get it. And I said, you shouldn't have gotten on your scooter in the first place. I said, my cousin almost died yeah. because she escaped. I wearing. know this
0: girl who almost yeah. died. And I
1: said, do you want to crack your head open if you fall? And he said, like, you don't know me or something else. I, like, <laughs> I know exactly who you are. And then I'm like arguing with this like eight or nine-year-old. <laughs> and then I'm like... He said your mom to me, and I'm like, "He said your he made a your mom joke." Yeah, but like, it didn't make sense. He was just like, "Your mom," and then I'm like, "I tell I tell him I said Quinn, you're not going to play with him anymore if he doesn't wear his helmet." And then Doug looks at me and he's like, "Sarah, you can't say things yes. like that. Stop it." And I was like, "We were just dropping something off," and James was like, "We're leaving," and I was yes. like, "And we're like in the Would car. This is all happening with from an the car." Yeah,
0: and he pulls out a your mom joke. It's time to go home.
1: But like I'm, <laughs> yeah. I have to go take a nap. <laughs> I'm not like I'm very, I mean we don't have kids yet, but like mm-hmm. very um the new research on parenting is very different. It's evolved, right? Since right. the 30s, since the 60s, since the 80s, oh, since, since the 90s, 90s since right? The yeah. <laughs> um but the one thing like I will not adhere to new to like positive and like gentle parenting stuff on is like if I ever caught one of my kids without a helmet on any sort of toy with wheels, that toy would be just like taken away for I don't know how long. Like we don't We well, can
0: do like the do you wanna go sit with Riley and talk about her broken skull? Yes. And then that would actually be so That's funny. gonna be yeah. They have to sit in a room with me and learn about scared wow, into a helmet. I didn't have a summer when I was eleven. Yeah, you couldn't come to Michelle 12. and Steve's wedding. Yeah, know. That was very upsetting. Got some good drugs though.
1: Did you know they were good drugs at that age, though? Like, did you appreciate them? Oh, you can't put that on. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, like a good Oxy or a good Vicodin. Like, yeah, no,
0: I I say a lot. Like, thank God that didn't happen now for a lot yeah. of reasons, because your brain doesn't isn't as elastic uh-huh. as it is when you're a kid. And you don't get like you can grow new brain cells, but they don't re- like replace mm-hmm. the old ones. So that information is completely lost and your brain has to, rewire yeah so i didn't have horrible memory loss but i was losing weird little things like i forgot what winter solstice was and stuff like that there was a few words that i started saying really weirdly and my mom was like you've never said it like that and i was like i've always said it like this i know this you don't you know (laughs) Well, the
1: brain is like most elastic like the biggest impact that you can like change or heal the brain is like before five it may even be before three Mm -hmm. but even like not even like a tbi type thing like that but like trauma or like adverse experiences yeah um so your brain probably wasn't fully stuck yet but it definitely wasn't malleable either it's
0: interesting because i mean like so many um murderers Uh were dropped on our head as children or got hit on the head really hard before they were like ten. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. There's the yeah, combination I... of like sexual assault as a child and getting hit on the head. Yeah. And yes. with, you know, like John Wayne Gacy and those types of. I men. mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Because wow. I mean, you, your brain is broken. Yeah. You know, like if if you can't come back from that. Yeah. It's gonna start doing some
1: weird shit in there, right? Christine's also obsessed with serial killers, so definitely... We should do a, a 2 she'll, she'll be able to talk all about that. Like we,
0: we could get you, me, and her on. That'll be fun. That'd be fun. That's, yeah. what, that's what one of my other Ron was saying. Oh, nice. He's going to be on for multiple episodes, because we have a lot of personality traits and stuff like yeah. to talk about. But, yeah. You, you'll be back. I will. Many a time over. I'm I only sure. know so many people. You should, <laughs> ask, you
1: should ask all the cousins.
0: Yeah, because yeah, we're all very different all at once. Oh my god, the table that would actually be
1: so fun. <laughs> It'd be all hilarious. Thir- all thirteen of us at once. Wow. You know what you should do? You should do all the aunts and uncles together. Just together. Yeah. I mean separately, but together. Like at Johnny and Annie's, just like have them line up at the counter, and you're just across the other side. All the siblings are like siblings, being, meaning our aunts and uncles mm-hmm. are like the same, but not. And they're all just, like, they're kind of out of control in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah, they're just all out of control in a good way.
0: Yeah. I mean, all the cousins, I can't imagine what we're all going to be like when we're all 50 and 60. I hope we still hang out. Oh, we will. I don't think there's any way of getting out of that. Yeah, which
1: I am grateful. I think a lot of that has shaped me Mm -hmm. into who I am in terms of, like, the closeness of our family And also, my dad's side is close, and, like, being able to grow up with my cousins, to know them, to Mm -hmm. know my aunts and uncles, I like it. Mm -hmm. Like, I I consider, you know, like, it's, like, extended family, but, like, it's not, like, the normal extended family. Mm -hmm. And that is one thing I think that grandma and grandpa did really well, was just, like, yeah, like, instilling that, like, family value, Mm -hmm. um...
0: It's fun having a huge family, too.
1: It is. Yeah.
0: Because, like, there's always going to be somebody to go and talk to about whatever you want. Yeah. And listen. Yeah. <laughs> or just, yeah. like, tell a funny grandma Gosh, story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here we go. So, those were our rapid-fire questions. We are 26 minutes <laughs> in. <laughs> okay. Um, did you always know that you wanted to be a therapist? And how is your life different than what you expected when you were my age
1: i would say i always knew i wanted to do something that helped people i think when i was like really young i was like i want to be a teacher but i don't like public speaking even in front of small children so that was kind of out Uh um and i think my dad always wanted me to be a lawyer which i can like explain that but i had a counselor in fifth grade that was like super impactful Um, and just like supportive and helpful and I really loved her Um, her name was Carolyn Burke she's probably married now she was very young and so I think as I kind of got into high school and like reflected on that a little bit more I knew that I want to do something to help someone and with social work like it's just like so broad like you don't just have to be a therapist yeah and I actually didn't think I wanted to be a therapist that like sat in an office all day and saw clients back to back to back but I've kind of fallen into that role. It doesn't feel like traditional therapy, what I mm-hmm. do, though. Like, it's not traditional therapy. Yeah. But I think I always knew... I don't know that yeah. I, was, I was always, like, aware that I knew this, but I think on some level I knew that it was going to be, like, younger children or, like, parent and child stuff. Mm-hmm. I knew I didn't want to do, like substance abuse and like I was like kind of afraid of teenagers because, <laughs> because <laughs> I also think when you're 22 and you're working with a 15 year old that can be really hard sometimes you know to like you're the adult of course but I think there's you're, like the
0: leftover you're yeah still you're still yeah and you're from, still
1: so young like yeah. I mean, I thought I knew everything at 22, and, like, I actually didn't know shit. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I think I always knew it was going to be, like, a people-centric job.
0: I always find it interesting when people know what they wanted to do, because I don't think I ever knew what... I, I mean, I knew what I wanted my life to look like, yeah. and things that made me happy, but there wasn't any careers that made sense in my head Yeah, growing up, Yeah, and now... Being in real estate is great, which I never expected for myself. And if you told 15-year-old me, I'd be like, who the fuck does she think she is? I was surprised when you were up here and doing that. I have the freedom to start a podcast about whatever I want. Yeah. For the most part, I make my own hours, you know. Yeah. Not really in a lot of ways, but I do. And I can run my business, of course, within the law, but, like, however I want. Right. And I can... I can do what I want I can be as creative as I want and I get to completely structure my life around how much I how much I want to do yeah
1: I feel like when I think about you as who you are as a person I think like your values and your ethics and like your just morals like are things that would make you a good real realtor because I think not that any realtor would be unethical or whatever but like I think that you I mean you sold us our house and like you were not pushy you were supportive you like I mean I had a million questions and I was so annoying I'm sure but like you <laughs> no. bought me answers and you'd be like and I'd be like can you just confirm this and you'd say yes so I think there's like a warmth about you and like I know realtors are typically like people person but like when I think of a realtor I kind of think of like in your face I want your business like yeah. kind of thing and like you're not that and I actually think that that's gonna serve you really well I think so too
0: one of the um and I'm totally blanking on her name right now she works with century 21 as well and she's a she's a northern northern virginia agent yeah and she was like I don't make my whole personality being a real estate agent yeah I people know because I talk about it a lot but it's not my like hi I'm Riley I'm a realtor you know that's not me Right. But she's so involved in her community and loves being involved in her community mm-hmm. that she is surrounding herself with people that are interested in the same things and have the same morals. So of course they're gonna use her as right, th- you know, as yeah. their agent. And that's kind of where I'm going, especially with getting into <laughs> The, like, taking horticulture classes and joining the Mycology Association and that kind of thing. Yeah, I'm around a lot of people. And this is a new hobby for me. I didn't start caring about plants or anything like that until, like, two years ago. Yeah. And now it's my favorite thing on the entire planet. Which is wild because there was, like, I look back over my life and I'm like, thank God I didn't discover this now. This (laughs) love for this. Because, like, I needed it two years ago. Yeah. And I need it now. Yeah. And... It's, like, totally changing my whole view of who I am because yeah. I've never thought of myself as, like, a scientist or anything yeah. like that, and now I totally do. Surrounding myself with people, plant nerds in this yeah. situation, there aren't a lot of real estate agents in that environment because no. that's kind of an interesting crossover, and it's a—it's not a huge community. I mean, it's big because its yeah. it's the DMV, but, like, right. when I was talking to some of the people that, I, that I've met in these areas of my life, they're like, oh do you know this person? I'm like, yeah, do you know this person? And they're like, oh my god, yeah. yeah. you know." And it's like, oh my god, small world. And yeah. that's where I need to be. And that's right. where I want to grow my business from, is from the people that I actually love being around.
1: Yeah, And I think that honestly probably makes it easier on everybody. Yeah. Right? Like when you're not like annoyed with clients. Exactly. <laughs> or like, all of that. But one thing I think, to me, that like is interesting and when you said you were taking the horticulture classes like the fact that your dad is in horticulture and I'm pretty sure your mom also likes plants like she's a she's a gardener yeah she
0: doesn't really I I will call my dad just to tell him and pretty much talk at him about my plant that just got a new leaf or whatever and I send him a lot of pictures of my plants every week yeah he doesn't really care that much but I'm sure he does no he does but he's loves that I'm nerdy about it because none of his other kids well, are nerdy about this yeah. so it's something that we really like talking about now which is really fun yeah um because his side of horticulture is very different than what I really love learning about yeah so we get to teach each other a lot of things which and is and really fun.
1: yeah and I think like knowing your dad is like Definitely the chillest uncle
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, like, probably member of the whole family to some extent. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe, like, Miles and Zach would, like, be as chill as him, but, like, not that yeah. we're not all chill, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But I think it's interesting because I don't think your dad pushed you into horticulture. Like, I think no. you just came to that by yourself because your dad's not a – your dad was going to encourage whatever you liked. Right. Just by, I think, who he is and the kind of dad just he is. And dad, yeah. Yeah. And so I just think it's kind of cool and funny that you ended up here. Yeah, Yeah. so,
0: and it was weird because I got a few plants for my balcony at my last apartment. Yeah. And I absolutely, and we lived in, like, more of a city area at that point. So I would park in a parking garage and walk inside, and there was no, like, my apartment now, which I get to walk through a gorgeous courtyard, and it's beautiful. And there's trees that, I look out my window, and there's trees, and in the spring they bloom, and it's beautiful. And, like... But I didn't get that, so having that balcony where the sun hit, I'd sit on my papasan with all my little plants. Yeah. And then when I moved here and I started getting indoor plants and I started learning about them, and then I read the book Braiding Sweetgrass and that totally changed my life. Okay. Read the book Braiding Sweetgrass. It's so fucking good. It's by Robin wall Kimmerer. She's a, a biologist. Is um, it like a novel or is it like a book about it's the one I wouldn't plants. shut up about at the beach. Oh. So she's Native American.
1: Oh, yes. Okay, she's that's... A, yes.
0: a... I think she's also a bryologist, which is Moss. Oh. Am I, I didn't know that, that was a remember? whole subset of... Oh, yeah. And she's Native American, and Brain Sweetgrass is um, kind of the outlook on life through the scientific lens yeah. of her studying. Oh, nice. So, like, she is... The comparisons that she makes from science to her life are yeah. fucking insane. And in her other book that I read, um, Gathering Moss, yeah, she compares... I'm totally going to butcher this, but she compares a type of moss and the way that it reproduces to seeing her daughter come home from college. Hmm. And, like, that reflection... And it brings you closer to... The planet i think when you yeah. can see things through that lens like yeah. it's really interesting and it helps you understand it and that's the whole thing with indigenous culture is seeing life through yeah through nature okay and allowing nature to guide you yeah and that just totally changed how i yeah it affirmed a lot of things for me yeah and isn't it nice to feel
1: like affirmed and validated in what yeah. you think or even like what you're questioning.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And I was like, she also I think one of the reasons why I love her writing so much is because she writes in a very similar way as mom. Okay. So reading it was like hanging out with my mom. Yeah. Who but the sciencey nerdy version of my mom yeah. instead of the artsy hippie that she is, you know? Yeah, so yeah. It, it's it's like But she's coming soon. They come fairly oh, yeah. often. Yeah. Well <laughs> we started It's becoming um, tradition because she Mm -hmm. came up for her birthday last year and her birthday's on Valentine's Day, which is just so much fun. And I made a birthday itinerary for her. And I printed it out on nice paper and we carried it around. I need to show it to you. I know that. I'm going to do that again. Yeah. Because me and my mom, of course, we make a birthday itinerary. Of course. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean,
1: I, well, I'm all about celebrating anything and everything. I love gift giving. I love a gift. So like mm-hmm. that's, that's it's a blast. right up my alley. Yeah. But I was thinking as you were talking about like real estate and plants and like that sort of combining of those things in the community you want to be in. That when you sold us oh. our house, you gave us that like personalized doormat mm-hmm. that I'm like obsessed with. <laughs> um, but I was like, one day. When you're like established and you have like your own company, or now, whatever. But I'm like, you could like, because you're so artsy, like paint them a pot and give them a potted plant that you potted as so, their, yeah, a celebratory to, gift.
0: I need to, maybe I'll order some, some pots or something. I have given a plant, yeah, to somebody, and it was hilarious. I was carrying, it was a little ZZ plant, yeah, and it was a client who was like asking me a lot of questions about interior design because I love interior design and you know plants and I was like I definitely get some plants because it's gonna just bring life to your house and it's really important here's a couple ones that are really easy to take care of so his closing gift for me was a beginner's book um for interior design and then one that would match his aesthetic because we talked about that and then a ZZ plant that I potted. Cute. Um, and when I, was, I talk about this all the time. It was just so fucking funny. I was carrying, so I was in my, like, business attire. Because yeah. I was going to closing. And I was carrying this big potted plant out to my car. And this man who I see walking around quite a bit, who lives in the building over. Yeah. He looks at me and he goes, he was like, hi. I was like, hi. Oh God! <laughs> like why is you talking to me? I was like, "Hey," I be and he was like, "You just look like you could sell anybody anything." And I was like, "Sir, please." <laughs> you yeah, know, like wait, what a weird thing then, to say. Hey, I know because he didn't—he didn't know what my job was. I also either. don't
1: think you give off that vibe, like at all. No, so it
0: was—I <laughs> th- I mean, he—he he wasn't. I think he just—he wasn't trying to be creepy because he—he was still walking yeah. in a different direction. Yeah, and he was trying to compliment me. I think, but did it in an odd way. Yeah. He kind of sees me look like, oh, thanks. And then he looks at that plant, and he was like, that's a cool plant. Can you smoke it? And I said, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> no. And he was like, I bet I could smoke it. I'd smoke anything. How old and is this man? Probably like 60. Oh, my God. Um, Or maybe younger, but yeah. apparently smokes anything, so yeah. I wouldn't know. And then I was like, no, I don't think you'd want to smoke this one. He was like, oh my God. Eh, whatever. And then he just kept walking. I I was like, this is my life. This is fine. It was hilarious. I got in my car and I was just laughing my ass off because of how, of course, those are the things that somebody would say to me. Would
1: say to you. But then, like, I'm, like, kind of pivoting here, but I'm thinking, like, there was probably part of you that was amused and, like, maybe part of you that was on, like, high alert, yeah. Because definitely. some strange man was speaking to you.
0: The fact that he kept walking yeah. instead of stopping in my path yeah. was what was kind of the I'm safe thing. Yeah. But I also always carry a knife on me. I was right outside my house. Like yeah. I would have just thrown the plant at him.
1: I'm like
0: <laughs> <Speaking> <laughs> It was also broad daylight, like right. you know. But it
1: is like I mean I'm always like wary and like oh yeah, whatever. And um speaking of knives, I'm like ever since like the Idaho murders happened of the four college students Mm -hmm. um I get like obsessed with like true crime like active things and like I love watching like trials on tv Mm -hmm. but I told James I was like he was in Minnesota so I was like home alone I was like we're building a tactical nightstand and he was like (laughs) um what is that and I was like well we're gonna have like things for home defense and home safety in it and he's like so I can get a gun and I was like well we're not gonna have a (laughs) gun
0: Have you seen those? And I, I kind of want one. I could see this ending, ending badly, though, so we'll see. But the dart, dart guns, and they're, like, the size of, like, a matchbox. No. Am I? What, I've seen, a matchbox? like, a... Am I 95 years old? But they're, they're these little, like, boxes. <laughs> yeah. The size of a vape, I would say, is more oh. accurate. And um, they... You load them up with like four darts or something. Maybe it's just two, and then you just press a button on the back, and it throws a, a metal dart. Oh! And the videos of people like like it will like go into wood. Like it Ooh, would go through okay. somebody. Can't believe they're just legal and floating around. But I'm not no. surprised. But that's like something I would keep in a nightstand. But I don't know.
1: I'm thinking like a tactical flashlight, which is apparently like. A really high beam, and I think oh it's like, yeah, and
0: it's like blinding. Yeah, that's and a I good think one. It's you like, miss. He- yeah,
1: <laughs> heavy and metal, so like, I mean, you'd have Blinded to be really close to someone <laughs> if you had. Yeah, and then like pepper gel, yeah. and pepper spray because like I want to have both options. Take it just pepper um, spray. Yeah, that's true too. But the pepper gel is like a gel, so it can shoot twelve feet, but it doesn't release it in the air, so yeah. it's not going to like upset you. I do too. Um, I don't know. I follow this guy on TikTok. It's embarrassing. I'm 33 years old, and I'm like, TikTok taught me this.
0: Yeah, that. <laughs> that's what it's for. Yeah. Yeah. But he
1: used to be a detective, and he has like his little Amazon storefront link to his page with all these things, like safety things. And I'm just like, we're just gonna. do Yeah.
0: Heart, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so many women are, are starting companies that are self defense. Yeah. And especially like things that like the um, meow defense. She's the one who invented the cat. I think she Oh, the, like, uh, finger thing. Yeah, Yeah. and that's great because it's, you don't need a lot of force. You're not going to kill somebody, but they're not going to, you know, it's actually going to help you, and they don't look like a weapon, so, like, you can have them on your keychain and still, like, go into places. That's,
1: like, there's this, like, it's, like, a personal alarm, Mm -hmm. and you have it on your keys, and you just press the button, and it's, like, really freaking loud. Yeah. So, like, I feel like... I want that for, like, when amount am out and about, and then, like, you press that and help, you know, hopefully would come, and then you can, like, use your pepper spray or, like, your cat things yeah. to, you know, get them. Yeah. Fun stuff. Yeah, it is. It's so fun being a lady, isn't it? Being a lady. Yeah. All right? What else you got for me? Yeah. You're really
0: staying on topic. I mean, that's a big part about growing up is learning the... To stay on topic. How to topic. stay safe. Yeah, you know, stay safe, yeah. Yeah. What do you think was the most difficult part of growing up and maturing while also starting your life as a, in a business and, like, growing a job too? Yeah,
1: and being, like, an actual adult that, like, mm-hmm. people rely on for information and, like, accurate education of things. I think that my early 20s was really hard in the sense of, like, I think I lacked self confidence in my mm-hmm. skills. Um, I think that I definitely like that imposter syndrome and was like, someone's gonna find out that I'm just yeah. faking it. But like, literally, I told someone the other day, I was like, they're like, well, what did you do? Like, with all these other parts that like it's not your job to be an expert on, but you have to like incorporate it. And I was like, I faked it till I made it.
0: Mm-hmm. Made um, it,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> faked it till I made it, like. And I think that is sort of a part of growing up, is, like, you kind of realize that, like, no one knows what the fuck they're doing. Oh, yeah. And, like, there's this quote, and, like, I don't know where I saw it from or whatever, but it's, like, we're all just walking each other home. Like, that's what we're doing. I love that. Right? Like, like, I always think about that, and I always think, like, we just have to be, like, this is, like, so cliche, and it's going to make me sound, like, so social-worky, but, like, we really are like no one knows what they're doing, and like we all are just helping each other, and we all are struggling, but we all also have really good things that happen. Yeah. And so like I kind of think about that if I ever feel like, oh shit, what am I doing? And I'm like, it's fine. It takes a village. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: um So to, I think. Wait, I'm gonna get some ASMR real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Don't me to stop talking for a hot stuff. Yeah, just okay. because. This is probably some people probably don't like this. Yeah.
1: Or doing some ASMR. God, it's so weird when people do that and they're like mouth is right up to I the hate microphone.
0: It. I don't understand people who enjoy the eating ASMR. Oh, it that's makes disgusting. me it makes me physically like the feeling, the emotions I feel aren't you have like a body reaction. i like borderline not human mm-hmm. anymore, I feel mm-hmm. like because it's so the anger that comes up inside me when I hear chewing is unreasonable. Yeah. Yeah. And when I hear somebody chewing and the face that I make when I look at them, none of my business at that point. (laughs) Okay. We are all just walking each other home. Yeah. There she goes. Do you need help?
1: No. I also think that I worked a job that was really heavy and really hard
0: uh-huh.
1: in my early 20s. And, there, like, you could ask my parents. Like, there were a lot, a lot, a lot of hard things. Yeah. And things that I would get, like, incredibly upset about and so emotional about. And I think I've grown into this, like, I can have this separation mm-hmm. of that now. That's a
0: big thing is maintaining empathy. Mm-hmm. Without codependency. Yes. I don't... I, I can't. <laughs> like, I can in a lot of ways because I'm very empathetic. Yeah, I think it's something that a lot of people really struggle with, especially um, men my age. Mm-hmm. I mean, empathy in general for for, yeah. for men, I think. Younger men is yeah <laughs> hard to find um, in a lot of ways, but also... I mean, finding that balance between still being a very empathetic person, but not letting it absolutely tear you to the fucking ground every time, like, yeah. something happens with your best friend, or your yeah. mom, or whatever. Yeah.
1: And I have, I'm and I'm struggling I, with that. And I think you will finesse that and get better mm-hmm. when you get older. Yeah. The older you get, and just, like, the more experience you have, because... So there's a difference between empathy, empathy and sympathy. Mm -hmm. And there's a researcher. Her name is Brené Brown, and she does all about like just like vulnerability, human to human, like all of that stuff. It's she has a a couple of books. She has a podcast. I think you'd like her. But she has this short little illustrated video on sympathy versus empathy. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people know how to give sympathy, but a lot of people don't know how to give empathy. Mm -hmm. And the ability, like empathy, is being able to put yourself. In another person's shoes. The
0: best example I can think of empathy versus sympathy is in the movie Little Women mm-hmm. when Sersha Ronan cuts all of her hair off. Yeah. And then um, Florence Pugh comes in and she's like, why are you crying? Because like, they yeah. thought it was about their dad. Yeah. And Sersha, I don't remember their character names, just yeah. like, my hair. And she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I would feel the same. Yeah. And then just holds her. And I was like... Yeah that is so cute. But like, yeah. that's, that's empathy. Yeah. And know? it's like being Instead able of to being like, like, like It's sit, okay. Yeah, it's okay. You know, like
1: sit with them in that feeling. Mm-hmm. And sympathy is just like, oh, I'm really sorry. Like that sucks for you. Like, and I'm not doing a good job of explaining yeah. empathy. But for me, if someone shows me sympathy, it feels very condescending. And like,
0: if somebody ever said that sucks for you, I would leave the room. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. But like, it, and I'm not going to like articulate this well, but like, if you give me empathy, I feel supported, yeah. I feel valued, I feel... Like part of a community. Yeah, and like, yeah. okay, I got this. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, sympathy just feels very condescending as if, like, oh, like, they're there, like, you'll get it one day or, like, you'll, For you know, you. whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't have
0: that problem, so right. good luck. Right. Yeah. No, and I think that's definitely learning empathy if you're not naturally empathetic is really hard. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me that I have to remind myself all the time with the difference between empathy and codependency is, like, trust. Mm-hmm. Like, you can be incredibly empathetic, mm-hmm. but ha- having to trust that that person is going to make the right choice yeah. and figure it out. And if not, you'll be there for them and it'll be fine. Yeah. But things will work out and you'll be okay. And that was a big... So two kind of thoughts stemming from that. Like, a big thing was, like, I
1: think in my early 20s I took on a lot of responsibility for stuff that wasn't mine Mm -hmm. in terms of someone's decision or if we were talking and you know they were talking through it with me and they made this decision and then it didn't work out like that's not mine yeah like that's theirs yeah um and being able to separate that was a really nice part about growing up so to speak and just like sort of maturing in my field and also like in myself. Mm -hmm. And I also think that teaching empathy, I don't think I know that teaching empathy starts in toddlerhood. Yeah. Like there are very like specific things that you would look for to see the beginnings of empathy. Mm -hmm. The beginning of a child just in their development to like see outside of themselves. And I think that if you are a child who if you see Mm -hmm. a mom or your mom or dad crying and you think it's Your job to make it better, versus just being able to like say like like you know give them a pat or like sometimes you bring them a blanket you know like whatever a toddler is going to bring you that makes them feel better. But I think that you can become like that role reversal can kind of become very very strong very early if it gets into this like the parent makes the child feel like they're responsible Mm -hmm. for making them better and not even intentionally, but whatever message like you're getting lost in there, you know. Um, so, like, yeah, empathy,
0: I don't think, comes naturally to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, for others, I think it does. And, honestly, the the people, and, I mean, like, this is the whole, like, ignorance is bliss thing. Yeah. The people that aren't naturally empathetic, I think, are generally happier <laughs> than the people who are. Because of that you're not carrying the weight yeah. of other people's lives with yeah. you. But at the same time, I would 100% much rather be very empathetic and incredibly oh, sensitive yeah. than the alternative because I love sharing emotions with people, not codependently because I've done that before I don't need to do yeah. that again, but like really understanding the way somebody's feeling and taking it with you a little bit so that you they, they know yeah. that you know, you know what yeah. I mean? And not necessarily taking it with you to a point where it affects your day and that's what I'm still learning. But like, yeah, yeah, I don't know, just the support of knowing that the people around you can feel what you're feeling. Yeah. And I think being able to be validated,
1: to feel validated, to feel heard in the way that you are feeling or in what you are going through is really powerful. If you're giving that to someone else or if they're giving it to you, it's not their job to take it with them when they go. Um, But that can feel really hard. And I feel like my career path has sort of allowed me to hone that a little bit Mm -hmm. and now at 33 I think I've finessed that pretty well yeah but at and don't get me wrong I mean stuff still happens that like bothers me or upsets me or I I take it with me um but it's very different Mm -hmm. um so I almost just feel like I don't say like lack of life experience but I think I was just not equipped to deal with a lot of heavy shit in my early 20s. And I think just to know, realizing that bad things happen sometimes. Yeah. I can literally track my progression of upper middle class white conservatism to being a white woman that has privilege, to diversity, to understanding systems and cycles that are oppressive and racist and all of these things. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I could literally go back and like trace that through college. Um, And I mean, I wouldn't say I was, like, particularly conservative. I think I was oblivious in high school, and that's a privilege to be oblivious. Yeah. Yeah, just realizing... I think the two hardest things for me was just, like, realizing that people are hurt and, like, really bad things can and do happen, and realizing that my parents were not perfect. And that, ah, I know, (laughs) and that they did the best they could Mm -hmm. and they always had good intentions. And not everyone can say that about their parents, right? Um, But just that they were also people outside of being a parent Mm -hmm. and that, like, they were probably faking it till they made it too, Yeah, Yeah. you know? Um, Because I think, at least for me, you put your parents as these, like, wise people who know everything Mm -hmm. and now I'm kind of like you might handle it that way, but that doesn't mean it's the only way. And I respect your opinion and I often want your opinion and I want to hear what you have to say and talk about it, but I'm still going to make my own choice. Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, the first time that kind of happened and I, like, really just didn't think, I mean, I couldn't even remember what it was, but, like, you don't agree with your parents. Like, it it felt, for me, really uncomfortable. So I think those were, like, definitely lessons.
0: Along with that as well, with the, like, bad things happen but also and this is what I'm learning a lot right now mm-hmm. good people do bad things all the time mm-hmm. and not villainizing people in my head yeah has lifted such a big weight off my shoulders and I was talking to my mom about this one time I was like why do I feel like everybody's mad at me all the time and she was like we're a little bit narcissistic in that way <laughs> and I thought that that was so fucking hilarious because like Yeah, that is kind of narcissistic to think that everybody's mad at me. It's not about me. Right. I don't do enough things to make people pissed off at me all the time, you know? That, I could, like, literally, a little bit
1: adjacent to that, I remember, like, there was a situation with a guy, and, like, it just ended really shitty. Mm -hmm. And I just remember, like, literally, like doing some cognitive behavioral therapy on myself and, like, actively telling myself, this is not about you, this is about him, this is not about you, this is about him. And so, also, being able to separate that Mm -hmm. and
0: not take ownership over someone else's behavior in that way is very freeing. Exactly. And that Um, comes back to the whole trusting, mm -hmm. like trusting that the people that you've brought into your life yeah will tell you when something is wrong mm-hmm. and do it in a way that is beneficial for both of you yeah instead of just be passive aggressive forever yeah. you know yeah. like I have to learn to trust that the people that I've brought into my life will tell me if I fucked up and yeah. not just assume that everything is about me when I yeah. pick up on little micro things that people are doing yeah like, if somebody rolls their eyes at me, I'm going to think about it for the next four days. Sure, I'm too. And, like, <laughs> and then it's something that they weren't even thinking about. Yeah. Or I just read the situation wrong, you know? Yeah. So, trusting the people. Mm-hmm. Trusting people.
1: Mm-hmm. But, like, you know. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Not everybody is going to like you, and that's okay.
0: Yeah. I'm starting to really enjoy that, honestly. Uh-huh. Because I had that, I had that thing growing up where... I mean, for the most part, pretty much everybody that I talked to, I felt like they liked me for the most part. But now, I really enjoy knowing deep down that I'm not for everyone. Yeah. A lot of that is because I have a very big personality. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty loud. I'm Mm -hmm. very opinionated. And I know what I want. Yeah. And that freaks people out. Yeah. When you meet somebody who knows what they want mm-hmm. you know like I know what I want in a relationship I don't want to be in one but I know what I would want mm-hmm. out of one. I know what I want my life to be and how to get there I know the people in my life you know yeah and that's not something that a lot of people in their 20s I feel like have a grasp on yet yeah is knowing themselves mm-hmm. enough to yeah to be comfortable and say I'm not for everyone right But I love that now.
1: And I think that growing personally, at least for me, because I work in this, like, relationship-based field and, like, Mm -hmm. human connection field, growing as, like, an individual in my kind of personal life and, like, holistically, really, I think, made me better at my job. Yeah. And accepting that the world is not black and white. Mm -hmm. I don't like ambiguity. And I don't like the gray area. Which also, like really shows that, like, you shouldn't be making a career decision at 18 because I picked a very gray, ambiguous yeah, career. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I used to hate it, and, like, I'm just more comfortable with that now. But, mm-hmm. like, the world is not black and white, and, like, when you see... There's nuance to everything, mm-hmm. everything, everything, and...
0: That's kind of the, the same thing with, like, good people do bad things all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. Is that I can... St- and me, and me and Alma were sitting on the couch yesterday talking about this, but you can still love a person for who they were when you first met them mm-hmm. and not want to ever see them again. Yeah. Um, which is hard. But, like, you can mourn what didn't happen and, like, mm-hmm. you know, and have that separation of yeah, a person isn't the bad thing that they've done. Well, and you don't become who you
1: are or the choices you make in a vacuum. Exactly. Right? Like, we're all products of how we grew up where we grew up what kind of parenting we received what our experience in schools I mean Mm -hmm. so 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 many things and so you don't know what's driven somebody to do yeah what they're doing and um James is like so philosophical and I like admire that about him because he's able to like entertain and challenge things and like just be like wonder about this like really heavy question and I'm just like no, I don't like it. Yeah, <laughs> that, that makes me uncomfortable. We're yeah. not going to do that. But, like, I think being able to just see that nuance and talk about that nuance and does the nuance of something ultimately kind of change your opinion on it. Yeah. When you think deeper about it, obviously I'm very liberal, but, like, I think Republicans see a lot of things in black and white. I don't think Republicans see nuance.
0: Yeah, and I think that comes from when you – are afraid things become black and white mm-hmm. and that's I think biological too but mm-hmm. fear yeah lo- you lose the ability to I guess not see beyond because that sounds ridiculous but yeah. see through the situation you yeah know? and I think that's lost with a lot of conservatives because I mean I mean at least where I'm from conservatives oftentimes when you ask them, When you really talk to them about where their opinions came from, it comes from fear. Yeah. Something that happened to them.
1: White fragility.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And something that happened to them. It's not all white fragility. Yeah. I mean, like in Radford, which is a, you know, for the most part, poor mountain town, the fear of... You know, the taking your job thing. And Mm -hmm. I I specifically remember this one conversation that I had with this man who was at, it was actually at the Trump rally, and he was saying that his son died Mm -hmm. from, he overdosed from drugs that had been brought over the border. Mm -hmm. And we talked about it for a while, but that type of fear and sadness takes fucking years and drive to get over. And that is where that black and white comes in, because in his situation it was black and white. Right. He he had this feeling and view on the world that was very different than you and me, because right. we've never been put in that situation before. That's pure fear in that yeah. in that way. Yeah. In other ways, we are because we're women. But yeah,
1: and having that black and white, you know. Yeah. And I have, I think, more empathy for people that have opinions, mm-hmm. and I I perhaps. I suppose anyone would say, like, I'm closed-minded, but, like, I would have more empathy for someone like that having a more drastic, drastic view than... That
0: was a much better word than I was going to use, so thank you for that. Um, I think it's... And this comes back to where you grew up versus where I grew up, too, Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. because I was const And I loved having those discussions with people who looked very different than me in terms Mm -hmm. of... You know, like the country boys versus my little blue-haired self walking around. Right, right. It was a very drastic difference. Yeah. When we would sit down and actually talk about, like, like, one time when I was sitting down, I think this school newspaper wanted to print something and they wouldn't let them because yeah. this was a big topic, but we were talking about gun control. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is how it needs to be. This is what we need to do. I don't want to take your guns, but... But you I mean, know, you're 15. Why do you need to have a gun right now? That's right. just out. You know, like that's not okay. okay. And enough. then when the more we talked about it, we were on the exact same page. Yeah. It was just the vocabulary. The what is the word? It's like pop, pop culture. No, I mean there's like pop psychology words, which like like gaslighting and stuff like that. But like the the hot political words.
1: Oh yeah, yeah.
0: Like gun control is a black above, and white, the buzzword. Word. Yeah, you know. And kind of eliminating those words and then just talking to somebody like their person. But I feel like, holy shit, we just need to have more discussions like this because that's what's going to be what bridges the gap.
1: Well, yeah, and I think that I get... I mean, I'm making this political and I'm not intending to, but I think this is a good... Well, maybe I am because I feel like very passionate about things, but the Republican view is like it's all or nothing, whereas I think Democrats or just people... You don't even have to go with Republican and Democrat, but just, like, more conservative people have this, like, if you're going to take one of my guns, you're going to take all of my guns. Whereas Democrats, I think, have this more nuanced approach to we need to take steps to make it safer Mm -hmm. for people to get guns and own guns. And we need to make more steps to make it so that, like, an 18-year-old can't get an AR-15 and go blast a school up. Yeah. And, like, to me, I, and I think probably because I am a social worker, like, I have a much more collectivist view rather than an individualistic view. So, like, if I have to wait an extra week to get my gun that I just have to have, like, that doesn't really, you know, like, that wouldn't really bother right. me. And
0: that's definitely, that's an interesting way to look at conservatives versus liberals. But I think also generation, generationally, generationally. I mean, always the youngest generation is always going to be more liberal. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of, you know, quote unquote, grownups say to me, you get more conservative as you, as you grow up. And I'm like, no. no, I think I think that can be true in a lot of ways. But I'm not going to get more conservative as I grow up. No, I don't want to lose my sparkle. Yeah. You know? no, <laughs> Hi, friends. So in the interest of time, I've decided to make me and Sarah's conversation two parts. Um, so if you're loving this episode, then there will be another episode next week with Sarah. Um, thanks so much for listening. Again, my name is Riley Bloomer, your host. Um, if you have any concerns or want to contact me, you can reach me on my social media um, at Riley.Bloomer. That's on Instagram and TikTok. Um, and you can also email me at thebirdhouse2023 at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.